All right, social media family, thank you for joining us for another installment of the Better Way to Pray series. Now, we are on lesson 10 tonight. Lesson 10 tonight. Now, the subtitle for this lesson is Come Out of the Closet. Come Out of the Closet. Come out of the closet. Now I know that 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 has some different connotations in our culture, but we are we are going to put a different spin on it tonight. Okay. All right. So I'm I'm gonna start with our outline for a change. Now I'm looking at our first point. It says, salvation works by planting the seed of God's word into people's hearts. We can't get other people saved on our faith. Now, let me pause right there. All right. Now, have any of us heard that we can get other people saved by our faith? Sometimes it's yeah. not that way. <clears throat> okay. It wasn't put that way, but it was like, you know, you, you pray for them. And, and I guess it, um, it made it sound pray. like... Yeah, it made it sound like if you don't pray on, for, if you didn't pray for them, that's why you didn't get saved because you didn't pray for them. And so therefore, yeah. And it's sort of like, you know, if you pray for them, they, in so many ways they say you pray for them, they get saved. And then if they get, they get saved, she said, then you took credit for it. Okay. Okay. All right. So the proof text for this that, you know, some folks use is Acts 16 and 31. So let's let's go there. And let's look at let's look at this. And what up? Acts 16. And the focus text is gonna be verse 31, but we're gonna start at verse 25. All right. I'll stay with the New Living Translation here. All right, verse, starting at verse 25, it says, Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, stop, don't kill yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for light and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Verse 31, they replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, along with everyone in your household. Now, if you read that, can you see how you could interpret that if you believed, then it will result in the salvation of your entire house. You see, you see how you can you can pull that from that. 
right? If you don't, if you don't look at the entire context and you don't, and you don't slow down when you're reading it. Okay, I'm reading it to Amplify, verse thirty-one. It says, "And they answered, believe in the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior and entrust yourself to Him, and you will be saved, you and your household, if they also believe." Now you see the difference. You see how the out this the amplified gives some clarity there. Because the the verse after too, if you may know, it says, and then they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. Like they didn't just speak to him, but they spoke to them too. So yeah. they have it. Not to like turn There you go. There you go. That's right. That's right. So you see context, right? Yeah, yeah. Taking one verse, building a whole doctrine. Yeah. Right. So you can't, you know, so a person gets saved in a, in a family, in a household, right? That doesn't guarantee salvation for everyone in that household. No. Right. Because the condition for salvation is is on is based on what each individual's belief. There has to be an a, a, a independent interaction with them in the Lord. They have to put their, their trust in what the Lord has done in his death, burial, and resurrection, receiving that free gift of salvation for themselves individually. And just like Julia pointed out in verse 32, and I'm going to read that in the Amplified, and it says, And they spoke the word of the Lord concerning eternal salvation, through faith in Christ, to him and to all who were in his house. So the word had to come to all of them because each individual has to receive for themselves. Right? You know, when I, when I, when I read that, I read, remember reading before, and, you know, the Bible, the scriptures talk about how God works you know, special certain miracles um, through Paul, you know, laying on handkerchiefs. And you know about, <clears throat> you know, there are certain miracles that God performed through him. And then, of course, the gifts of the Spirit, how he operated in a lot of gifts of the Spirit. Mm -hmm. It came to me that it sounds like a word of, I mean, and I, I get confused with these two sometimes, was word of wisdom, word of knowledge. And that's what I kind of got or get from it when I read it. It's like God gave Paul a word of one or two, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, to know that this is what's gonna happen if you, you know, you know, receive and and what comes after that, that's what's gonna happen. So it's so at the same time, not that oh, because you can save, they're gonna get saved. But at the same time, he he was God allowed Paul to or spoke through him to see that this is what's going to happen um, with your family today, or you know. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's actually what I saw too. Because I mean, anyone who believes personally on Jesus is going to be saved, right? So why mention the household specifically? Why not just say you and all who believe? You know, it felt like it was it was like some kind of personal word, you know, like 
if yeah. you believe it's going, it, God has shown me it's going to influence your family, and they will too. That's good. Yep. Okay. That's good. Okay. Now, um, I thought of something. Because now, obviously, we see that each individual has to make their own decision for Christ, right? But does it not change the temperature or the atmosphere of a household when a person gets saved? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So it certainly matters. So when, a, when you, know, you have a household and you've got an individual in that household, they come to the Lord, then there's a light in that house that was not there before. That's not the same. It's just a light. Now, let's go to 1 Corinthians 7. All right. Now, we we often, you know, we go to this, this chapter for dialogue on what the what the Lord says about marriage, but there's something here I want us to see. Let's start at verse 12. And we'll go down to verse 16. All right. New standing in the New Living Translation says, Now I will speak to the rest of you. Though I do not have a direct command from the Lord, if a fellow believer has a wife who is not a believer and she is willing to continue living with him, he must not leave her. And if a believing woman has a husband who is not a believer and he is willing to continue living with her, she must not leave him. Verse 14. For the believing wife brings holiness to her marriage and the believing husband brings holiness to his marriage. Otherwise, your children would, be, would not be holy, but now they are holy. Now, look at that. So there's it's kind of a, there's a sanctifying effect. Now, the salvation of the spouse does not produce salvation in, in the other spouse, but there's a, there's a difference in the temperature of that household because of that believing spouse. So I, I, I look at this verse and I'm thinking, okay, it's, it's definitely true that a person in a household getting saved is not a guarantee that the household is, as a whole is going to get saved. But let us not underestimate the power of a believing person yeah. in a household because that, that, that light that is in that house can be used as the very vehicle by which the Lord can can draw the rest of them in. Now, how many folks you know where I get that had this happen to me with my family, where the mother gets saved, the next thing you know, everybody else come along afterwards, right? So we. We're not underestimating the, the power of, of what a believer's presence in a household can do. We just need to understand that I, in and of myself, my faith can't produce salvation in somebody else. But what can the prayer of the righteous do in that situation, though? Yeah. 
seed. Yeah. It's sowing seed, yeah. Especially, you know, um, we know a lady, you know, a husband and wife, if you knew the lady real well, um, you know what I'm talking about. He was not a believer, and she was very, she was very into, you know, Jesus, she still is. And she never forced him. And he was perfectly fine. They were content with each other. They were content other. with each other. Yeah. And they still are. The only thing they, they had was about a Christmas tree. He said he had grandchildren. She did, She was like, I'm not having a tree. Mm-hmm. And then one year, it's like God talked to us. Like, the tree's not a big deal. He just wants it for his grandchildren to enjoy. We heard, we knew that nothing come from it. He, she put a tree up, and it was peace, and it was quiet. And they, would, they just lived together. She just... You know, yeah, let it be. Very she, she just lived a life instead of trying to. Right. And even more about, like, why are you doing that church stuff? I mean, they just, yeah. he was cool with her, she was cool with him. Because yeah. I've seen it, well, I've, I don't say I've seen it, but I've heard it done the wrong way as well. Yeah. I remember I had a co worker I worked with, and, uh, you know, when she was, when she was talking, she was divorced. <laughs> but yet, you know, her spouse had left her for another woman but the reason why was because when she got saved um she started saying okay you can't smoke in the house and you can't do this in the house and you can't do that in the house yeah and she was just beating them up yeah. and so he was like well okay since you're gonna let me do i'm gonna find something else that will so he walked yeah. out and she was angry about it because she was like, well, you know. She was nagging. Right, she was nagging, but it was her fault. She pushed him out because, yeah. okay, you, you get say all of a sudden you start getting rules. You can't do this, do that. He's been doing this when y'all got married. So you can't, you know, just all of a sudden start putting these limitations on me. They had before you got paid. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so now he's gone. And you're like, well, I don't know what I did. Well, you pushed him out. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because of the, you know, you quote unquote got sanctified now. Yeah, instead of like, you know, honey, I don't prefer to do it, but another store, what kind of cigarettes is that again? Okay, you know. Right. Okay, I prefer you don't do it because it'll hurt you, but. Right. You know. So, yeah. but it was just done in the wrong way, which yeah. pushed the person out. Yeah. yeah. It was a religious idea, too. Yeah. It was, actually. All right, so I'm looking at our title, right? Come out of the closet. So basically, you know, the premise of the lesson is, is that in order for individuals to be saved, what has to happen? They have to receive the word, right? I, I don't, I, I can't claim their salvation. I can't claim it and then there's no no effort to share the word. Right? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Now, knowing this, knowing that a person has to, you know, have to have a personal encounter with the Lord, understanding, you know, the, the gospel and receive the gospel message. How shall we intercede? What is New Testament intercession? For some, for someone else to come to the faith, how do we do that? Well, we can either pray to ask God that um, soften up their hearts so we can talk to them, 
or if it's not us, then put somebody in their path yeah. that they will be able to receive. But sometimes people can't receive from us, especially sometimes family. Mm-hmm. The family know where you came from. Yeah. And so, so sometimes they make mistakes. Right. And so therefore right. family may not be receptive to you know, to the gospel from you because they're like, Well, I remember I remember what you used to be. Yeah. So maybe they um receive the gospel from somebody outside of you, you know, that would be more they'd be more receptive to that. So that's to me that's the New Testament way of Yeah. Praying. And there was like praying for God to work on their heart because right. I thought about and this is not when I got saved initially, but when I don't want anything to do with God and nobody could understand it or whatever. A lot couldn't. It's like if somebody had to be praying for me, and I go, my mom knows she prayed for me, different ones, but it came down to, in the way I pray for people sometimes myself, when I look at them, I'm like, God, you know exactly what they're thinking. You know exactly what they need to see, hear. You know, person across their path, or you know what to whisper in their ear, billboard across their path to, to reach them, whatever they're thinking, you know, I guess. That's correct. And I know with Julie, uh, kind of I had the same story, because my mom got saved, you know, and then my dad. But then I love the way they brought us up, because they wanted us to be, say, all the kids, six of us. So, mm-hmm. but they did what we talked about now. They they were bringing us every Saturday we would have Bible study. They sold the word into us. And they were always telling whether we want all y'all to be saved at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And but they didn't say, you know, we'll go up there this Sunday or that Sunday. They didn't force it. They yeah. just sold the word. They just showed it to y'all. Right. And let us know this is what you have to do. And we all did it on our own time. They didn't know we was coming. They didn't know we was gonna do it, but we all did it. But it was, they sold the word. They put the word in our hearts. And then they allow us and God to get together. Yeah. And then we all receive Christ. You know, and all of us receive Christ when we were like teenagers or young or stuff like that. But yeah. they sold the word. In. Yeah. That's true. I think like when we're talking about coming out of the closet, as I thought about, it's kind of like where, you know, probably with, a better way to pray in a book, I'm sure it talks about it, where Andrew talks about how ministers, there are certain ministries who have invested like hundreds of thousands of dollars probably in going to other countries just to pray. Mm-hmm. Like countries where Christianity, I guess, is not allowed or it's taboo. And then they'll spend all that money and they'll go, oh, but don't tell, you know, don't, don't minister, don't say anything. It's like, that's what we're supposed to do, you know? And then we're praying and praying instead of going like God loves you this is what his word says be saved you know and it's just like crazy mm-hmm. <laughs> you know but I think I go back I, I don't think in my experience because like I grew up with my parents sold the word to me taught me that I had to be saved and mm-hmm. it's like okay but I don't know in some cases I don't think parents or adults give kids credit that they can be saved you know, it doesn't matter how at three, at four, at five, oh, yeah. at six. Because oh, yeah. sometimes I think we don't give, like God can't reach them, or they maybe they don't have. Mm-hmm. Of yeah. course, they may not have the level of understanding that we have when you're adult, but if you allow God and them to get together, it doesn't matter what age. What age. Yeah, yeah. I mean, God knows how to, the Holy Spirit knows how to minister to the child no matter how old they are. Yeah. Just let them know. 
Okay, you need a savior, just like me at the age of ten. I mean, there's some that I've I've heard. It's it's more rare, I guess, but they don't even remember when they got saved. They just know they always right. loved Jesus from the time they were like two. You know, they just knew. Yeah. You know? And, I mean, you can remember some encounter. Like I remember my encounter like it was <coughs> yesterday, but like you said, they you have to, we have to trust. Just because the give the word, so to seed. Mm-hmm. And a lot of seed, you know, sprout. And whatever age that you know yeah. God, right? Then they'll yeah. come to know Christ. That's good. That's good because the word is is the seed that is going to produce that harvest, yeah. right? Yeah. And I tell you what, the the enemy's agenda. He don't have no age no matter what he's trying to sow. That's true. I tell you that. So why why we why we gonna wait until they're XYZ age? Right. We behind the curve, we do that. That's something mm-hmm. I love Andrew talks about too, is he's really big on like not getting the plan perfect. This is kinda of like a side tangent, but it's kind of the same thing as like, you know, don't wait to get your vision perfect sometime, <laughs> what you're doing for God. It's like just do it. Right. Just do because it's still gonna have effects and he talks about he goes. He's still like doing everything, you know. Right. He has all the vision right. down yet, you know. It's just like do it and it'll have effects as you go. Right. Because yeah. that, you know, that, that indecisiveness and indecision can paralyze you. Yeah. Where you yeah. get to a place where you don't, you're not, you, you're not doing nothing. Mm-hmm. And that's, and, you know, zero plus zero equals zero. Yeah. All right. Now let's go to Luke 10. Luke 10, and we're going to look at verses 1 and 2. I'm going to read it in the New Living Translation, and then I'm going to read it, read verse 2 in the Amplified. All right. And the New Living Translation reads like this. The Lord now chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit. These were his instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Verse 2 in the Amplified says, He was saying to them, The harvest is abundant. For there are many who need to hear the good news about salvation. But the workers, those available to proclaim the message of salvation, are few. Therefore, prayerfully prayerfully ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. So you see the combination here. The relationship between prayer and those delivering the word. There's 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 a there's a tandem there. There's a partnership that happens, right? One shouldn't go without the other, because you could just go out there and just start talking to folk. And you know, is that bad? No. But is it going to be as effective as if as it would be if you pray first and then went or you're praying for family members, right? Maybe they, you know, they they don't have a good, well, let's say they, they have a good relationship with you, but they just not trying to hear nothing about your Jesus, right? Because, like, yeah, bro, but I know you was, 
you was hanging that, hanging out with me at that same club 10 years ago, drinking that cold 45, looking at that same woman. <laughs> come on. I, I know you done found religion and everything, but come on, bro. I'm all right. Right? And what, you see, the person is kind of, the enemy is using that past experience to, to try to discredit the reality of the gospel message. Now, they, not, they may not receive it from you directly, but guess what? You pray for this person. Who's to say job? God ain't going to have somebody on their job talking to them, sowing seeds? While you praying, God got somebody in position on their job, ready to pull that harvest. It's true. God knows all. Like we were saying, it's like, you know, he knows what each person needs and who needs to minister, who has that special word. And I was talking about what Andrew had said, like, he's probably said it a few times, different conferences and things that he speaks, but he goes, when he was talking about his college and stuff, talking about Karis, he goes, like, there's many of you out here, he goes, and, and even listening, you know, your shot, you know, just listening, he goes, y'all will reach people I will never reach. He was talking about, he goes, as much influence as he has, and he's on television stations, and he says, and the internet, everything, he goes, there's many of you, you have a story, you have a testimony, you have something that will reach somebody that I can't, you know? And I go, wow, that's kind of cool to think, you know? Some of us have special things inside of us that yeah. will reach certain people, you know? God knows who the person was listening to. Yeah. I was saying to myself ago, even with me knowing the things I know, I love healing journeys and stuff. There's a couple of them I haven't listened to yet, but it hasn't appealed to me. But they don't, that, then, I, then I'm not meant to listen to it right now. Right. It's like, you know, they're still good. It's like, I'm so glad they're there. They're reaching somebody else. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's good. Right. And see, and, and, and this is how prayer can just energize that the whole the whole harvesting plan, right? Because the whole just like Julie said, the Holy Spirit knows who is in a position to speak into somebody's life. But you know, with the whole, you know what? Not I, I won't I won't even say that because I'm I'm looking at First Corinthians three, like as she was talking, I was I it, it I this came to mind, First Corinthians three, and I'm I'm gonna read verses four through nine because it's not about the, the superstar preacher teacher mm -hmm. it's not about all that verse four says when one of you says i'm a follower of paul and another says i follow apollos aren't you acting just like the people of the world after all who is apollos who is paul we are all God's servants through whom you believe the good news. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. I planted the seeds in your hearts. Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose and both will be rewarded for their own hard work. For we are both God's workers. And you are God's field. You are God's building. And see, 
Now you see how Paul is 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 breaking that whole laity versus clergy thing. This did the Christian name drop? So and so is of John Piper. I am of Andrew. Oh, I am of Kenneth Copeland. Well, my, I am I am of um, who was I am of Charles Stanley. I'm of such and such. Well, I'm of Jake's. You know, it's like, who cares? It don't make no difference. Because at the end of the day, who is it about at the end of the day? It's about Jesus. So whether it's Bishop Jake's that speak to you, or whether it's, it's Bishop Watermelon down the street, or whether it's your cousin at their house church, Whoever it is, it don't make no difference who's delivering the word. As long as the word is being delivered with integrity, with, the, with, with, with conviction, as long as the, the, the gospel is being preached. I think laymen, um, sometimes what I do is they have a mindset that it is the, the preacher's job to do it. I don't, I don't, I don't have the ability to do it. So yeah, therefore, yeah, it's the pastor's job. So, you know, I don't have the the ability to minister to somebody to get saved or so the word to get saved. You know, or you know, because in in that case, they said, well, let me, let me just invite you to my church. You can be my preacher, mm -hmm. and that's good. I mean, yeah, that's wonderful. But why not believe that you're equipped to get that person saved right there where they are? Wherever that may, may be, in a grocery store, you know, um, like you said, at, at the family reunion, mm -hmm. whatever case may be, you know, why are you pumping gas? I mean, that's, mm -hmm. you know, you should equip yourself and God equip all of us to be able to sow the word and get people saved. You know, it's not just the, the preacher or the minister or the bishop's job to do that. Yeah. You know, um, you know, I was sitting here having thoughts, you know, about, you know, I, I guess because, you know, right now this is kind of near and dear to our heart, you know, uh, because of our family members. But it's like, you know, th these passages of scriptures in, in Luke chapter 10, he talks about the East 70. And then you read later on in you know, he's sending them out to be a witness. And then you read, they've thrown out in verse nine, he sent them to, to, you know, to perform miracles, to heal the sick. I mean, he didn't just send them out just for, I mean, of course, you know, sowing the word, but he sent them with power, you know, and and I think <clears throat> just some things my, my niece, have, I've heard her say, it's like her idea probably of Christianity is, you know, you know, say please, thank you, yes, and you know, um, excuse me, be polite, and don't drink, don't smoke, uh, you know, just good things, which, yeah, those things come along with, that's part of the fruit of the spirit, a lot of those things. But it's like, and that's where I asked for prayer and I noticed ministry. 
for laborers, but it's like they need somebody to come along, not with just a good word, but with power. Because, you know, Jesus, I mean, himself, and I think we talked about it either last week or two weeks ago, how, you know, people, it was like they wanted to follow him because just because they got to eat and they was looking to eat again. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't cool. But what was cool and okay, he said, not because you saw the miracles, but because you want to eat. So basically he's saying, because of the miracles you want to follow me, that was okay. So it's like, that's what I see that they need in their family is laborers like what we prayed, mm-hmm. what you prayed, what we agreed upon. But not just good words. They need power because they are under attack. They are being oppressed by the devil. That's what Jesus did was at act for whatever, you know, whatever about doing good and healing all that will pray. That's what they need. They need labor that's coming along with so the word, but coming with some power too. That's good. That's what's on my head. That's right. Well, I mean that that's it. Because that's what the word is saying. Because, you know, when you in that when you in that position and you going through and you're getting hit, you're seeing all these challenges, all this adversity in your life, and it's like, yeah, the church stuff is cool, but I I need deliverance. I need some help. I need some real help. Right. And see. And what Kevin is highlighting here is the manifestation of the power of God. Now, what I want to do, let's go ahead and keep reading here. Like, I'm going to start at all right, verse 3, and I'm going to go down to verse 12. We'll go down, I'll go down to verse 11. All right. After he plays praise for the... The, har- the harvest, the, the workers to be sent to the harvest. He says, Now go and remember that I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. Don't take any money with you, nor a traveler's bag, nor an extra pair of sandals, and don't stop to greet anyone on the road. Whenever you enter someone's home, first say, May God's peace be on this house. If those who live there are peaceful, the blessing will stand. If they are not, the blessing will return to you. Don't move around from home to home. Stay in one place, eating and drinking what they provide. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve their pay. If you enter a town and it welcomes you, eat whatever is set before you. Look at verse 9. Heal the sick. And tell them, the kingdom of God is near you. But if a town refuses to welcome you, go out into the streets and say, We wipe even the dust of our of your town from our feet to show that we have been that we have abandoned you to your fate. And know this, the kingdom of God is near. Now I'm gonna look at, I'm gonna read verse nine. In the Amplified. And it says. And heal those. 
and heal those in it who are sick, authenticating your message. And say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. So, this is what Kevin is referring to. It's the authentication of the message. Because see, there's a lot of people talking a lot of different types of stuff out here. About who God is, what, what, what we should believe, what we should do, all that type of stuff. But you can argue that stuff. But you can't argue this. And see, and this is this is this is where, you know, if we don't if we don't believe that we can be used like that, we're not going to walk in it. So faith cometh by what? Hearing. hearing and hearing by the word of God, word of word of Christ, word word of God. So this is where the rubber meets the road. And I'm I, and just thinking about you know everything that was shared prior to the start of the study and some stuff that's going on in in my my work life with with people. It's just you know we are in a time where. People are under a lot of strain, pressure, demonic oppression. Just there are a lot of there's a lot of things hidden people in the hour that we live. So this whole idea of us walking in power, us abiding in the word, having a relationship with the Lord, all these all these components that we talk about. They're becoming more and more vital each and every day. Let's go to Mark 16. We're going to go to another familiar verse. Mark 16 and... Verse 14. And we're going to go down to verse 20. And I'll read it in Amplified too. It says, Later, Jesus appeared to the eleven disciples themselves as they were reclining at the table. And he called them to account for their unbelief and hardness of heart. Because they had not believed those who had seen him after he had risen from death. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to, every, to all creation. He who has believed in me and has been baptized and will be, will be saved from the penalty of God's wrath and judgment. But he who has, has not believed will, not, will be condemned. Verse 17, these, are, these signs will accompany those who have believed. In my name, they will cast out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will not harm them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will get well. 
So then, when the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord was working with them and confirming the word by the signs that followed. So you see Jesus here giving the commission and letting, and letting the disciples know that the power is in their hands to do this. And you see verse 20, the disciples, and they went out preaching everywhere while the Lord was working with them and confirming the word by the signs that followed. So in our prayer lives, this is what we are believing for right here. And the thing about it is, that's funny, as we pray for laborers that, to minister to the ones we love that, that, that don't yet know or who are under oppression, God may use us the same way that he, we are praying for, to be, for someone else to be used in the lives of our loved ones. Never know. Right. But again, this is this is a this is a, a point of meditation for us right here. To really believe, you know what, this is this is what we can we've been commissioned to do. And he and Jesus said it. The power is there. The Holy Spirit, He's in us, right? But the thing about it is, you know. Our flesh and our natural experience wants to talk back to us. And that's what we're fighting against. Julie, Julie who do you think you is? You work at Food Line. Why you going you, you think you gonna you gonna pray for somebody in the break room, something gonna happen for real? You just will be a cashier. Right? It's the Jesus in me. Right. That's the answer. Yeah, that ain't me. <laughs> Jesus. That ain't me. Right. And but that's the thing. The enemy wants us to look at ourselves <laughs> and not see who we are in the spirit. Yeah. But just to see our our frailty in the flesh. Now I got a question, but I don't know if I want to if I want to throw it out there though. Okay. After everything we talk about here, I'm sure we can all handle it. Okay. It could be a good discussion. All right. I, I won't. I won't. I won't put the whole question out there, but I'll tie it in with the outline. Now, in the the, the, the remainder of the outline, um, Andrew was talking about the, you know, how it's the word that changes things. And he's mentioning how, you know, what you had mentioned earlier about how some, some folks, some groups of believers will go to a certain city or certain community and they'll speak against whatever 
principality or like thing demonic powers that are in that community or city now let's let me ask you just based on what you what you see in the word right what is opposition in how do we interpret what Paul is talking about in Ephesians 6 and what is our role as believers? How do we pray? How do we go about opposing the, the enemy's forces in a particular neighborhood, on our jobs, even in our households, in our communities? What, how, do we, how do we go about doing that? Word of God, still the word of God, casting down imaginations, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. I went over that scripture a lot, and that's um, casting down imaginations. Second Corinthians, I believe it is. No. Yeah, Second Corinthians chapter 10. 10. Yeah, sorry, thank y'all. I couldn't think of the reference wrong. But I know, like, you know, back, looking back my hand, reading it, I go, I think still it comes to the word of God, but the power of the word, you know, planning with the word, because that will come up against the ideals and stuff, you know, the demonic ideals, the strongholds. Um, there's been certain places mom and I have been in, I'll say it that way, and there were belief systems that almost destroyed our families as an example, and I promise it ties in uh, from where I'm thinking is I, got, I would get really angry sometimes with the people where these things were spoke through, but then I look back and I go, they were only teaching what they believed, you know, and, and they were believers too. I know, I, I beyond a shadow of a doubt, knew these people love God. But where your background is, sometimes you have things that follow with you, your belief systems. Mm -hmm. And I go, it wasn't like it was demonic, or, you know, like that. It was just, it was ingrained. It was like, well, this is this, that, and that, and that's where you're casting down imaginations, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, taken into captivity, every thought. <laughs> to the obedience of Christ. So if that would tie in, I guess that's the best way to say, you know, it's like coming against, you know, that kind of stuff with a new idea. Like, you know, we talks about I must, you know, he must increase, I must decrease. It's like increasing the word and the truth and then the lie you know, will pour it out, you know. That's good. Yeah, I got, well, maybe with the mic, I still need to, if somebody can invite me more on this, I know, in my case, I've had, you know, supervisors, managers come against you. I mean, really, and you know it's like a demonic attack. They just send mm -hmm. you out and they yeah. come at you hard. Oh, yes. And I've been, you know, told, well, you know, of course you don't hate the person, which is hard to sometimes. Yes. Right. But, you know, I know... Uh, you, I've been told, okay, pray for, come against that demonic spirit that's in them. Mm -hmm. Take authority over that. Uh, I'm, I'm still getting better at that because, and not make it personal. But, I mean, uh, I've heard that. I guess somebody can speak more on that. So, I've heard that when you pray against that demonic spirit, that's in that's coming against you. I'm I'm gonna, yeah, I would like some more info on that too. That makes sense. Yeah. All right. Let's go to 
let's go to well I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to where Julie was all right second Corinthians 10 let's look at verses three and five all right three through five. Because see, and that, and that is like the bait of the enemy right there, is to use individuals to attack other individuals, mm -hmm. to get individuals to attack individuals, right? So 2 Corinthians 10, we're going to look at verse 3, 4, and 5, and I'll, I'll stay in the New Living. <clears throat> says, we are human. But we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. See... I don't know if, you know, because Julie, when she, she said what she did, how profound that is. Because when we think demonic activity, we think, you know, poltergeist, spitting out green stuff, spinning, you know, the, the horror movie stuff, right? It's spooky, you know, it's like, it's, it's crazy looking spooky. But that, that's, 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 that's low level demonic stuff. High level, the high level demonic stuff is the teaching and the lives that are going out to the, to the masses. To the, to, that, that controls the thoughts and, and the beliefs of individual masses of people. That's true demonic activity. That is. Yeah, it's kind of it's made by the very subtle. Right? Because look, 1 Corinthians, you don't have to go there. I'm, I'm just going to quote this real quick. 1 Timothy, Timothy 4, 1 and 2, it says, Now the, whole, the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times, some will turn away from the faith, from the true faith, and will follow deceptive spirits in teachings that come from demons. These people are hypocrites and liars and their consciences are dead. So see, now you see the, the true work of the enemy right here on high levels. It is, it is the belief systems, working on the belief systems and the culture, the, 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 the thought processes of the masses, right? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. true. You have to be so careful. Right, now... I used this this kind of illustration in a message uh, a couple years ago, right? Like when we talk about what, what Eric just described. So, all right, so let's say it's a gun, right? Now, and I'm the enemy. I want to attack Julie. So, I'm here. I shoot the gun at Julie. Pow. Yep. Do what is what is Julie what does Julie see? see me. I see you. Yeah, I see Eric. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You don't see you're not looking at the true enemy. You're looking at the flesh. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now you mad at him. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Now there's opportunity for you. Now you standing up like, oh Eric, you got a problem? Yeah. Okay, that's what it is, huh? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it starts it. Back so now we got what? Back we got strife. Strife. Mm -hmm. Yes, very much so. And where Ivian the strife is, there is confusion, confusion. And every evil, evil work. work. Mm -hmm. Remember, we say right. every and all has these meanings. Yeah. 
Yes. Every Now, Eric asks, well, how do you, how do you attack, you know, the enemy? Let's go to Ephesians 6. Going to a very, a very familiar set of scriptures again. All right. Verses 10 through 17. All right. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world and against mighty powers in this dark world against evil spirits in the heavenly places therefore put on every piece of god's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil then after the battle you will still be standing firm stand your ground putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness for shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. And in addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as a helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So, the word of God is the offensive weapon. Because all the other stuff that he talked about is defense, is armor, is protection. But the offensive weapon is what? It's the word. Right. That's the offensive weapon. Now, let's prove this. Let's go to Matthew 4. All right. Now we're going to read another familiar passage of Scripture. And it's the temptation of Jesus, okay, in the wilderness. All right, let's start at verse 3. During that time, the devil came and said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. All right, so the enemy is testing his identity here, right? If you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. Now, there's a, you know, we can break this down even further, what's being said here about the loaves of bread. All right. But look at verse four. How did Jesus respond? But Jesus told him, no. The scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So the temptation came, and Jesus did what? Quoted the word. He quoted the word. All right. Deuteronomy 8.3. People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. 
So he gave the word. He spoke the word to rebuke this temptation here. Okay. Verse, verse 5. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, If you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Okay, so now the enemy, he ups his game up here. He's using scripture against him. So, how did Jesus respond? Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. So when the enemy came with him with, with scripture out of context, mm -hmm. what did Jesus do? Came with scripture in context. There you go. He took the con out of the text and, and, gave, him, and gave him context. <laughs> right. All right, let's look at verse 8. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Okay, now, he ups to Annie again. He's, he's doing what? He's, he, he's offering the kingdoms of the world to him, right? So the very, the very, he's even, I don't want to say too much. Let's, Jesus came to do what? Destroy the works of the devil. Destroy the works of the devil, right? Set the captives free, right? Do you think the enemy was trying to give him a shortcut here? Yeah. He, he comes to establish the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like the shortcut, like, hey, you know, you can do it right now. You can be in charge now, you know, instead of doing it the way the father wants. So verse 10, how does Jesus respond? Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So each and every time, even as the enemy upped the ante each, each temptation, he responded the same. With what? The word. With the word. So, yeah. so when we talk about, you know, casting out demons, healing the sick, all this stuff, the word is being declared. It is, it is being declared to break whatever demonic strongholds or whatever is going on in the lives of people. So whether you're making a faith declaration over someone to, to break the... the you know, to declare healing over someone, 
or whether you're just preaching the gospel to try to set somebody free from that, that demonic blindness that's there, the word is always what? Up front and center. Some people need healing, you know, in the heart for their physical healing. I mean, obviously that comes, you know, a lot of times a root issue. And I go, you know, what did Jesus do? He told the one guy, he goes, you're forgiven of all your sins. And then he got healed by that, you know, so it was his heart needed to hear that. And then that was something tied in there. And it, you know, it released that. And, you know, it, it's the word still, it's, you know, someone may, somebody may need to hear God loves you, and then that's the word. He loves us, and then that'd be like, wow, you know, the arthritis is gone, or whatever. I needed to hear God love me, you know, that kind of thing. That's good. That's good. That's good. So basically, then, when we talk about, you know, praying for families, communities, our, our cities, our state, our country. What should be our prayer points? Like, what, are, what is our focus? I think we can close here. Let's go to First Timothy two. First Timothy two. I'll right, we'll start at verse one. Father says, first of all, then I urge that petitions, specific requests, prayers, intercessions, prayers for others, and thanksgivings be offered on behalf of all people, for kings and all who are in positions of high authority, so that we may live a peaceful and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This kind of praying is good and acceptable and pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior, who wishes all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge and recognition of the divine truth. So we see Paul giving us specific instruction here. You know, and you see how we can tie the pieces together on how important this is, praying for those in positions of authority, because this is where the enemy wants to use individuals that are in authority to bring captivity and oppression to a place, to you know, a large body of people. 
And how can the enemy do that through those who are in the high places? It's, I'm, I'm just, it's, it's amazing how the more, I'm, you know, we looking at it, the stuff and just reading it, how just reading the Bible just clear up stuff. Yeah. You know, the people in high places, they, it's we think, that's why religion is really like a big time thing. We're talking about demonic strongholds and the, the subtlety. It's, you know, it looks good. It looks like the good thing to do, you know, doing whatever kind of religious, like, you know, stuff. It's, you know, even like the people in authority, it's like, well, this is what you need to do. This is how a Christian acts instead of let it be a heart thing. And, you know, we already know the answers to that, but it's... Even less. <clears throat> a couple of days and things going on and when it got calm and turned to the word then I heard because of the love chapter but what love is all about and it made to get it across to I know enough that love suffers long but it's kind she got me to read it all of us and I, want, I said I wanted to read it to her I wanted her to read it to us yeah and it changed the atmosphere and get you focused on his love his word is love but today there's been some struggles and the thing that came to me is I kept telling her, I asked her, I said, what did David say? When I'm afraid, I will. And she goes, trust in God. I said, it's the word bringing the truth. I said, thinking about David, today was David. Let's think about David. You need to think about David. Getting your our minds off of the situation and onto the truth. The word sets you free. Once you know what, you know, you know the truth will set you free. His word is true. And it changed. Just, I did keep me on. I said, David had all these things happen to him, but what did he do? He kept trusting in God. And he messed up big. But in the midst of it, he was willing to go, I have messed up big. But God is still good, you know? That's good. That's good. Yeah. I mean, that was just two days, and I go, that's so weird as we think. Even in the middle, you get out of control of situations. It just seems like you're looking at the flesh instead of the spiritual. But when you get calm, you start talking, you start listening. He's going to point you to something. It could be just a little worse. But he wants you to talk, to think about that, think about that, and it will change everything. And even say it out loud so you can hear it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a you know that's a tactic of the enemy to. Clutter us with a bunch of noise, our minds with a bunch of noise. Because when we got all this care and concern in, in in our in our thought life, it's harder to hear. Yeah. Harder to hear what he's saying, because yeah. we get caught up in all of the other voices. <laughs> and you know, I'm I'm just since we, I'm thinking about some of the challenges that clients deal with when. We talk about schizophrenia, for instance, right? So you're hearing someone who is suffering from this. They're hearing different types of voices. You're hearing things. You're hearing, go, go, go rob that person. Go smack them, choke them in the face. And they may be hearing another conversation over here, right? And then another voice right here. Just imagine all the confusion. 
how, how troubling that is, like trying to focus when you got all this chatter in your head. And this is what, now, not to that extent, but when we have all the cares of the world on, on, our, our, on our minds and, and it's self-talk that we, that we do, it's, it's hard to contain or just to, to maintain that focus on what God said, what his promise is. And that's what the enemy tries to do with the cares of this life, to clutter our hearts and minds, to get us from focusing and in, in being entrenched in that truth that'll, that'll set us free, that'll, that'll help us to walk in that freedom, to, that will help people to walk in the freedom that has been bought and paid for them. So, as the lesson says, let us come out the closet. Amen. Yeah. Not, not, just, not just claim salvation, not just claim <coughs> deliverance for, for us and our loved ones, but to, to declare it and walk in it. Yeah. All right. All right. To declare that word boldly. All right. All right, social media family. Thank you for joining us once again. We'll see you next week.